0: Ashley C. Ford is the author of Somebody's Daughter, a memoir. Ashley is a writer, host, and educator who lives in Indianapolis, Indiana. Somebody's Daughter is her debut memoir. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to talk about Somebody's Daughter, a memoir that I found time to read.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much for having me.
0: Oh my gosh, it's a thrill. It's so neat when I read a memoir and then I get to interview the person like right then. It just, it like does not get old for me. It's like amazing, especially yours, which is so powerful and moving in so many different ways and well written and just like soulful and horrifying and inspiring and all the things that a memoir should really be. So, wow. Thank
2: you. That's really, really kind of you to say. And I think that that's one of my favorite things too, as an interviewer is when I learn something new about a person or just get to read something or experience something they've done. And then I immediately get to interview them. There's almost nothing better than
0: that. Right? It's, it's a the really great feeling. Feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, Amazing. So here we are. So yes. for people who aren't familiar with your memoir yet, would you mind giving a little summary of both what you, I mean, I can't say what it's about. It's like your entire life story, but what (laughs) made you even write this memoir to begin with and what that whole thing was like? So many questions start there, I guess.
2: Yeah. Please. I, I wrote this memoir because I had really strong memories from when I was a child, really clear and consistent memories about what it was like to feel helpless. And also, like there were a lot of secrets being kept around me. And the process of slowly unraveling some of the truths around those secrets and deciding what they meant to me, what they didn't mean to me, and how they were going to change the way I lived my life, if at all. So it is definitely a book about hard things, assault, incarceration, abuse, violence, but it's also a book about hopeful and joyful things. Like love and family and forgiveness and moving on.
0: Wow, beautiful. One of the parts that I loved was the relationship you had with your grandmother, because I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I was always really close to my grandmother. I love watching people's relationships sort of intergenerational sort of develop in memoir on the page, whatever. And then I realized as you, well, I didn't realize you pointed out your grandmother was only like in her forties when she had Mm -hmm. all these grandchildren. And I'm thinking that's like, I can barely deal with my own kids in my forties. And she had (laughs) what, like nine grandkids or something crazy. Cause when you think about grandmother and first, I think, you know, an older lady, just your grandmother was like a not old at all, and yet look what she was no. doing. Oh my gosh, absolutely! So, tell me a about one matriarch, <laughs> right? I mean, the power and like how being able to manage all of that, all of how she took care of you. Like, all so tell me a little more about your relationship with her because you know it comes sort of full circle. Anyway,
2: my relationship with my grandmother is one of the strongest relationships I've ever had in my entire life. She, I don't have memories before her, you know, which I think is true for, you know, uh, quite a few people with their grandparents. But I don't know that everybody got to spend as much time with their grandparent as I did. My grandma and I lived together, just the two of us really, for a year. The first year of school that I ever had, you know, like I was with her. We were just bonded in a way that not only felt real, but everybody else commented on. Like everybody was always bringing up how close the two of us were to the two of us. (laughs) And it was just like, yeah, well, you know, that's the way it is. You know, like, and despite all those other grandkids, you know, my grandma, who I love, but who definitely suffered from a lack of tact, (laughs) did not hesitate to make it clear that like, you know, yeah, but this is my favorite one. Yeah, I have all these grandkids, but this one is clearly my favorite. You know, she made me feel special. It's always special to be somebody's favorite. But there's something about being a grandparent's favorite that I think you just never like it puts something inside of you, like a little sparkle, like a little like ember, a little like flame that is really, really hard to put out, you know, despite any and all other circumstances in your life. I think when you're a grandparent's favorite and you know it, it, it's you always feel like you have access to a little bit of magic that other people don't have access to.
0: Totally. Not to upset my cousins or anything, but I was also apparently my grandmother. <laughs> Maybe they're probably not listening. <laughs> yeah. In fact, you could have called it somebody's granddaughter too. I mean, really.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. But you know, even my even my grandmother told my mother that she felt like I was her daughter mm-hmm. sometimes.
0: Well, your mother you know? was so erratic and emotionally (laughs) inaccessible and, you know, I mean, everything your grandmother's like the stability of love that you received from her was so counter to your mother. And I mean, the scenes that you described, Ashley, oh my gosh, my heart was breaking for you as a kid. Like just, and also the inconsistency of it, right. That like unpredictability, you know, it's like, uh, you know, like, uh, like in science experiments, you know, like variable reinforcement versus consistent. It's like, that's the most potent of all is when you don't know. And so you like keep coming back. And that's a thing that I feel like stays with with you long after if not to mention the yes. the violence behind some of her actions and the betrayals and oh my gosh
2: yeah I think the hardest part for me as a kid you know and and even the hardest part of working on those parts of the book years later was realizing that even then I knew that all of that stuff was coming from fear hmm. Like it was so clear to me that my mom was afraid of the world in the way that I was in a way that I was not. And to be fair, my mom had been pretty early on in her life traumatized by the world (laughs) over and over again, you know, and she had a mother who you know, reinforce that. My grandmother was always very, you know, like, look out for what everybody is thinking or saying about you. Look out for this, look out for that. And, you know, my mom was just kind of like a ball of paranoia. Mm -hmm. And the way that that played out for us wasn't good and it wasn't fair. But I think the thing that was hardest was knowing that it's like, it would be different if this was just anger or just cruelty mm-hmm. because at least then I could hate you. Know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least then I could think, you know, the first chance I get, I'm getting away from this and I will never look back. Like I'm the kind of person who if if I feel like somebody is just like that evil, cruel thing about them, they want to hurt, they want to harm. I'm like, get that away from me. But there was this other thing I saw in my mom. And that was why it was so hard for me to separate enough to feel like my own person Mm -hmm. was because I saw that thing in her that I was like, that's fear. That's not like, you don't hate me. I don't even think you like the way you're acting right now I don't think you like the way you're behaving right now and it's so sad to me that you feel like you have to and that I see that as a child when I look at you that you feel like you have to be this way and I don't think you do
0: you were like a little child therapist. You needed to like sit her down and, you know, like, I mean, that's a right? lot. Right, but for, you don't know that. No, I know, but that's a lot for a young yeah. child to to take on and to notice and to, you know, subconsciously deal with. I mean, the the fact that, I mean, I feel like the way you wrote about her with such nuance and this sense of forgiveness, really, with, I mean, mm-hmm. right? You're still talking about how you chit-chat on the phone and, you know, it's like- yeah. You're still close. You, you've, it, I don't know, being able to forgive all that. I, I don't know how you, well, I, I don't know. I'm not even asking you questions. I'm just like opining here, but.
2: No, that's okay. I, It's cool. Like, I like talking about it because, you know, that's the thing is that like, we're not close.
0: Mm-hmm. We, we've
2: we never been close. Yeah. Our relationship has, you know, it's easy because we, I mean, we are very familiar with each other, like, obviously. But it's not close. Like my mom doesn't really know about like my hopes and dreams and the inner workings of like my mind and emotions. And nor does she ask about those things, Mm -hmm. you know. And if I ask her about those things, it makes her afraid. And it always has, you know. Now she'll tell you that it makes her afraid because what if I write about it? But I've been asking these questions long before I was ever a writer. And the response hasn't changed much uh, in in any context. So, you know, we're not really close. We're we're friendly. Mm -hmm. You know, I feel friendly with my mother uh, for the most part. And I do love her. But the type of mother-daughter closeness that I think a lot of people experience or or want to experience, that's not what we have. And, you know, that's not what we have in the book. Yeah, I think there's some interesting things to be said about forgiveness and what that looks like in reality. Because in, in my reality, well, you know, I always imagined, I guess, forgiveness or the fantasy of forgiveness was me Like having some moment with my mom where suddenly we connect and we see each other and we realize that we both want to do better and be better and we're going to work on it together and it's going to like everything's going to change and it's going to be better and we're going to figure it out. Right. That's like the fantasy of forgiveness. The reality of forgiveness is that I just had to figure out what loving my mom just as she is, looks like. Not wishing or hoping for her to be anything different. Just as she is. The person she is today. The person she's been, you know, informed by the person she's been, you know. What does that look like for me to love her? And it doesn't look like the fantasy. Mm -hmm. But it looks like something that works. It looks like boundaries that allow me to love her and
0: myself Mm -hmm. at the same time. Wow. That's so, it's just so mature. I feel like there's this deep, (laughs) no, seriously. I feel like, you know, there's this like embedded wish that you're an imperfect mother will change, right? Like Mm -hmm. you just come back to the well, like another few times, maybe this time, you know, Mm -hmm. Like, let me try again. Like, it's hard to wrap your mind around having the person who's supposed to be the most loving. Turns out they're not capable of that. That's like a lot to wrap your head it around. It is. You know? And it, it, so. it is. It
2: is. And I've been in therapy for a long time, wrapping my head around. It. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. I've spent a lot of money. Wrapping my head around it, I am in a practice, you know, of 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 every week spending deliberate time wrapping my head around that fact. It's not something that, like, just you know, rises and like, oh, I've become so enlightened Mm -hmm. that now I don't need this, you know, validation, or I don't need this from you know this parent. I can set this boundary and effortlessly go about my life. It's not like that. Like it's definitely having moments of crushing devastation Mm -hmm. that you're not going to get the fantasy that no matter how well you dreamed up that fantasy, no matter how many details you added to it, no matter how long. You've held on to it, you're not going to get the fantasy. And you have to allow yourself to feel devastated by that in order to move forward in your life. Like I was so avoiding the devastation of giving up the fantasy, even as I knew it was not going to come to pass that i was not allowing myself to like see myself differently to to move forward in my life to do things that matched the way i saw myself or wanted to see myself it was so hard for me to do that because i still i still needed to like stay mm-hmm. i still needed to like almost like stay stuck because if I move, what if I move in the wrong direction, you know? And then who's going to love me? Who's going to show up for me? Who's going to be the person who's like, number one, has my back no matter what? Everybody tells you that's your mama. That's supposed to be your mama, the number one person who has your back. So what, what happens when it's not your mama? Then you learn the truth that like pretty much all along it was, it was you. Like you were the one who had to have your back. And that if you trusted yourself to have your back, it would make a lot more sense to let go of the fantasy of the person who won't
1: or who can't mm-hmm. in some cases, you know? A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly 3 years in some states learn more at uh1.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us we brought in a reverse auctioneer which is apparently a thing Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, you get 20, 20 you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? Sold! Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: Do you feel like as a result, you still feel like you can find that elsewhere? Or do, you, do you, are you satisfied with it internally? Like, I, like, do you feel like there's this like external validation that you're seeking that like the praise or the, you know, all that sort of unmitigated, just love, I guess, really, but uh, yeah. praise and all Absolutely. of that. Absolutely. Search like externally for that. Yes, we need that. It's weird that we
2: act like we don't need that or like we shouldn't need that from each other because clearly we do. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly we do. Okay. And trying to dress it up differently, judging it, like isn't doing anything. Judging a need is pointless. Mm -hmm. It's super pointless. Who cares? who cares if it's good or bad or wrong or right or anything it does it can't be any of those things because it's a need mm-hmm. you know <laughs> and we do need it we need to be in community with each other we need to be connected to one an- one another we need to feel seen by one another recognized considered it's important and it is a need in order for us to feel safe and feeling safe the relative safety that we absolutely could offer each other is a need. It is an unmet need, Mm -hmm. but it's a need. There's, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with needing validation and community and connection. I have people who mother me. I have people who nurture me. I have people who care for me and love me the ways that I dreamed of and then forced myself to stop dreaming of so that I didn't get hurt and then had to find my way back to so that I could allow myself to be loved that way. I have all of that in my life right now. My mother loves me. I do have her love. Mm -hmm. It is not necessarily the way I want to be loved. And it is not necessarily the way I need to be loved, me, as I am. But that doesn't mean that I can't find that love in a myriad of ways, not just from within myself, but also from the community that I choose and the people that I choose to have around me. You know, this morning, right before I got on here with you, I had two house guests leave. And they're both people who I've been friends with since I was 11 years old. One of them, who's like one of my most close friends in the world, he moved away when we were 15 years old. So for the past almost... 20 years he having moved away two kids who like can't afford flights and things like that we've been friends this entire time wow this entire time that person's love how like fills me up you know and because I have people like that in my life because I have a husband who cares for me and considers me and loves me every day a dog Friends, colleagues, like they're all different kinds of love, but I let that flow into me and I put it back out into the world and I don't feel like I'm missing out. Yes, it does hurt sometimes that, you know, I'm I don't have the fantasy relationship with my mama. I would never pretend it doesn't hurt, but I don't know. It just like that pain is super worth it to just feel and let myself like I said, feel devastated by it because when I let myself feel devastated by that pain, the people I reach out to, to help me get back to myself, find my way back to myself if I need it, are people who love me so much and so deeply that like, I end up just feeling grateful that I have them.
0: You know, it's almost like, it's almost like grief, right? At some point you have to it's like you lost your mom or the ideal of it. And then Mm -hmm. like, this is what would happen if you actually lost your mom, right? The people would rise up in the community. Like you could say all the same things. And yet when you have a mother who, you know, isn't able to, to be the person, you don't get that layer of social acceptance, right? You can't say, right. right? Like you still have a mom. Like, what are you going to say? So.
2: Yeah. It's like, I have, yes, I do have a mom and, Sometimes being in relationship with her hurts me.
0: Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think I I need to find your therapist. She sounds amazing. (laughs) First of all, you need to split the proceeds of the book with the therapist, and second of all, you need her like you need to like post her information so you can help all the people (laughs) out there with complicated mother daughter relationships. So yeah, I don't know. I
2: would if I didn't have this possessive quality about. Of course, you're not
0: going to. No, no. that is very much like. it's mine. No, keep her. She's where It's great. You're a your, your great match. <laughs> Do you feel like sort of that need to be seen and recognized and validated has been met with the book coming out and the success of the book? I know it's sort of nascent, but like, is that sort of meeting, filling that same bucket, if you will?
2: Weirdly, I'm going to be honest. I think that need had sort of been fulfilled before the book and I spent a lot of time working on my ability to recognize that. Mm -hmm. And I had to do that before the book came out because I was really worried. What I didn't want was for the book to come out and me and for me to be in a place where the success or failure of the book would change my perception of who I am. I was really, really worried that that would happen. Mm -hmm. So I spent quite a bit of time before the book came out, before I even finished the book, before I could finish the book, honestly, getting to a place where I could say, this is the book I want it to be. And no matter how it is received, I feel good about who I am. And only then could I really like finish the book and then send it out into the world. So the success and all of that is fantastic it feels amazing. And I'm really, really glad that I spent time working on my ability to feel it Mm -hmm. because this is honestly the first time in my life that I've created something that I've been really, really proud of. And that something that came from me, not a collaborator, you know, it is a collaboration, but it's not like, you know, a podcast that I did with somebody else. It's not partnering with some company to create something together. Like this was my story from from my brain that I had to sit down and write. And I'm so glad that I did. And I feel so proud. And for the first time in my life, I emotionally, I can feel that. Like not just think, oh, this is something I can be proud of. Mm-hmm but actually feel in my body like I am proud like smiling and sitting up straighter I am proud That is a completely different experience than you know years of disassociating on and off and you know scrambling here and there and being in survival mode. And now that I've had enough stability to be able to, have that I'm proud feeling. I want that for everybody. I want it for everybody. I just feel like that's like what I want now in life is I just think everybody should have the opportunity to feel really proud of what they've done and feel it fully in their body.
0: Well, now you just have to get Oprah to, you know, pick up even more books and- Yeah, come on, Oprah. Everyone should be so, (laughs) so proud, justifiably. Can I ask, oh gosh, we're almost out of time and I had so many more questions. Oh, that's okay. Just quickly, what are things like with your dad now? Can I even ask that? Yeah, absolutely.
2: They're good. I just saw him this past weekend. We had breakfast and we talked the whole time and it was great. Getting to know each other has been really lovely. Watching him navigate life after thirty years in prison has been at times really tough, but it has also been inspiring in certain ways. Yeah, he's a he's a pretty pretty good guy, and getting to know him has been a, a gift for me.
0: Um, oh my gosh! Well, I had a thousand other things I wanted to say and quotes to read and all this, <laughs> <laughs> but instead I had to like you know just like <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, thank you for opening up and discussing the book. And, you know, I'm just, I'm so happy for you that you are feeling so proud and it's so deserved. And I am just like, so rooting for you having gone through all of this and knowing sort of what you're overcoming and, you know, just know that I am part of that big community of people sort of lifting you up from the sidelines.
2: Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Like it's, like I said, the response has been really amazing. Every interview, everything, it's all been different, but good. And so thank you for being part of that. Like, thank you for once again, allowing me to have like an experience that is positive and like beautiful. And also just like Challenging in all the best ways. Like, you've been a great interviewer, and this has been a really great time. You know, I know I ramble. Thank you. No, but... I love
0: your, I mean, it's not rambling. I want to hear what you have to say. That's <laughs> why I'm here, you know. So, well, thank you. Thank that was you. really nice. You didn't have to say that, but thank you. All right. Well, my pleasure. Stay in touch. Good luck. And I can't wait to see what happens next for you. Thank you. Okay. Bye, Ashley. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books.